Welcome to the Golf Show with Jeff Kolpak on 740 The Fan. That's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. The Golf Show is presented to you by Michelob Ultra. Also brought to you in part by Fargo Park District Public Golf Courses, Forest Hills Resort, Moorhead Parks, Wildflower Golf Course, and Austin's Golf. Here it comes. Goodness. Oh, wow! In your life have you seen anything like that? Now, let's head to the first tee. This guy's pretty good. And here's your host, Jeff Kolpak. And this is the first tee. This is Jeff Kolpak. Thanks again for another edition of the Golf Show as presented by Michelob Light. Come to you always from the KRK Marine and Power Sports Studios. This is 740 The Fan. As we record this, I had the best morning. Spent the morning in Mayville, North Dakota, and we'll talk more about this in, in the show. But a, a small town, a course that just has done everything to make it top-notch and all the effort that has gone into that. Mike Bakken will join us later. But first and foremost, a real pleasure. And I have yet to have Amy Olson on the show this year, and I apologize to all the listeners, but her, she's a l- rather busy golfer. But she's off this week and kind enough to take a few minutes. Welcome, Amy. How are you? Hey, Jeff. I'm doing good. Good to be with you. Yeah, welcome back to the Smoky Mountains, <laughs> I guess. Uh, boy. I tell you what, I think I'm in, I feel like I'm in Portland last year. Last year we were, uh, we played right after all those fires out west, mm-hmm. and we actually couldn't practice for two of the days leading up to the tournament, yeah. and they canceled Thursday so that we could practice, and then they made it a three-day event, and I feel like I'm right back there. Yeah, I feel like covering uh, the Bison football team played Montana, I think, in 2014, same thing. It, it just I had such a headache after a few days, but uh, that was football, and that was Portland. This is golf. This is now. You're taking a couple weeks off here anyway, when you come back, and, and is it a rest? Are you back to the grind? Uh, take us through the next couple of weeks here. Yeah, you know, this year has just been so busy kind of since, I guess, mid-March. You know, I played over in Thailand and Singapore, and then we hit our kind of summer stretch that is just week after week in the U.S. And then I just got back from France on Monday. Mm-hmm. So I'm here for two weeks. I skipped the Irish Open just so that I could have kind of two weeks off going into the Scottish and British Open. So when I get two weeks off, you know, I get a little bit of time to decompress a couple days where I don't touch a golf club, and then I kind of get back at it. You know, I'm working on a couple things on my swing, and so, you know, I mean, as every golfer always is, right? Right, yeah. But, you know, so I'm, I'm always, um, you know, trying to get some really good dedicated time to practice as well in an off week. Well, before we get into details on anything, bring us up to date on your season. We see all the scores. We see the stats. We see your status uh, within the LPGA Tour. But let's hear it from you, Amy. How How's it going? How are you feeling? Yeah, you know, I guess, um, you know, I started out with a, a second-place finish early on, which was kind of nice to just secure my card for next year, kind of take a lot of stress off. Uh, but then I haven't. I had I finished 12th at the U.S. Open, which I was pleased at, but I just really haven't been in contention this year. And and that's I mean that's why I play. That's what I love about the game is being in contention. You know, coming down the stretch on Sunday with those nerves and mm-hmm. um, you know, so I 
I kind of sit here with, um, I guess, disappointment that I haven't been in that position recently. Uh, and knowing that there's just certain parts of my game that have to be more consistent and have to get shored up in order to be in that position. So, but with that said, you know, it's probably a good thing to be ranked 29th in the world and, and be disappointed, right? Yeah. Knowing yeah. that you could, you could be doing better. Well, I was going to bring up when you were first on my show as a pro, say in 2014 or 15 in that area, you're just hoping to have your card and get in position to be, uh, you know, have the comfort level of, of having your card secured. That's not the issue now. Now you're taking it to another level. What is the next level for you? Obviously, you, you got to win. You want to win. We know that. But what's going to take? Yeah, you know, I mean, like I said, for me, and, and obviously everybody talks about the win, and I, I, I want to win. You know, there's no question about that. But even more than that to me, it's, it's being in contention week in and week out. And for me to do that, um, each area of my game does still have to be elevated. Um, I'm working on a little bit of swing stuff right now to just get a little more consistency. Um, traditionally, I hit a lot of greens. Mm -hmm. but I don't necessarily, my proximity to the hole isn't great. I would say if I could explain it best, I know where to miss. And so I hit it to the middle of the green a lot, but I don't really give myself a ton of great birdie looks throughout a round. And um, so I'm working a little bit with how my lower body moves, just trying to get a little bit more consistency using the ground a little bit better. And I've been pleased with the direction that that's been going um, and then, you know, at the end of the day, if the ball doesn't go in the hole, doesn't matter how close you hit it. Yeah. So continuing to work on putting. And that's been one of the things that especially throughout, cause I haven't hit the ball great this year. Putting has really carried me through. And, um, so it's been fun to be making some progress in that department. Putting is the great mystery. Everybody needs work on putting and, and listeners out there from 30 handicap to two handicap or whatever, what does an LPGA player do to work on putting? I mean, it really comes down to two things. It's, it's speed and line. And so I do a lot of speed drills where I'm, I'm, you know, going from five feet, 10 feet, 15 feet, all the way up to 30 feet and trying to finish, you know, three, three balls in a row from each of those stations between front edge of the hole and about a foot and a half past. And mm -hmm. if I can do that as far as speed consistently, I'm in really good shape. Um, and then as far as line, just working on where your start line is, that's a matter of base angle and club path. So really working hard on making sure those two are good for me. Um, the, the path has been a challenge. I always like to pull it a little bit inside. So I've been getting it going a little bit more straight back versus coming straight inside on my backstroke. And I've had a lot of success with that. Amy Olson is a guest. This is Jeff Kopak. This is a golf show on 740 The Fan, 107.3 FM. Do you use any teaching tools, any gizmos, anything out there that, that you've relied on, or is it just straight fact of matter work? Um, no, you know, for the most part, it's it's work, and you can use some tees to kind of set up little stations periodically. I do use the Dave Pell's putting tutor. That's probably the one thing that I've, I've traveled with the last three years, and it's a little triangular device with a line on it. So you set the line up. You can do it on a straight putt or a breaking putt. Mm -hmm. But I like to use that to kind of align my eyes. And I line it up so if I'm, it's a left to right putt and it's breaking, I line it up at the left edge. And I just make sure that my eyes are really seeing the line well. And then there's two metal balls about six inches from your start line. 
that you can put, um, you can choose how tight you want them, but it essentially makes sure that you're starting the ball online. So I've used that as a bit of a aid over mm-hmm. the last few years. And it's easy to travel with, easy to set up and doesn't, um, yeah, it just doesn't take a lot of effort, but it really makes sure your start line and your line where you're aiming is good. How has it been having fans back on the tour? Yeah, kind of weird, actually. Yeah. We, I think, got used to having no fans. And um, when they came back, it was like, wow, this is actually really fun. There's energy. It's exciting. You know, I think the first tournament we had a lot of fans was the U.S. Open. And at Olympic Club where we played, there's a lot of elevated approach shots. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we've kind of gotten used to you hit a shot and you go, that looks good. There's nobody to clap up by the green, so you just have to wait and find out. And you could actually tell by the, you know, the cheers or if, um, you know, people aren't really clapping. You're like, oh, it must be short or long. So anyway, it's um, it's been nice to have fans back for sure. Yeah, that was at the Olympic Club in San Francisco, which has incredible undulation. I think even on TV it looked that way. So here's a gal from Flatland, Oxbow, North Dakota, you know, finishing 12th and playing quite well on a course. If I had to play that course, I hate uneven lies. I would just have nightmares. How do you adjust? <laughs> yeah. You know. You know, it was funny. One yeah. of Morgan Pressel, who was commentating for Golf Channel that week, you know, was walking up and down the range. Yeah. And I went up to her and I go, Morgan, why is the range flat? Like, what is the point of having a flat range here? I'm not <laughs> going to have a flat lie yeah. all week, you know. But um, yeah, it's it's a little bit of an adjustment. You got to when the ball's above your feet, you got to choke up a little bit on the club, and when it's below, you got to squat down, do it a little more. You don't want to just like bend at the waist more. Um, so, you know, it just takes a little bit of an adjustment, but that was kind of part of the character of the golf course. And I tell you what, I hadn't played Olympic club before, but that jumped right to the top of my list of really? favorite courses I've ever hmm. played. Interesting that you came from flat Oxbow, that that would be one of your favorites. Uh, so top five. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things that I appreciated was, you know, the, the game has gone so much to distance, right. Uh, and lengthening courses and, and a lot of course designers don't know what to do to make a golf course hard, except make it longer. And Olympic club is so incredibly challenging. And one of the best holes in golf is the finishing hole there. That mm. is probably 330 yards. I want to say, Yeah. and it's one of the hardest fairways to hit. And if you don't hit the fairway, good luck making par, you know, so (laughs) on the scorecard, you look at it and you're like, how can this be that tough of a hole? And just with the elevated small green protected by bunkers, it's just an incredible design that rewards a really good golf shot. Very cool. Amy Olson is a guest. It's Jeff Kopak. Stay tuned. More with Amy. It's uh, one of my favorite stories. I want to revisit that uh, right after the break. Stay with us. And we're back. This is the Golf Show. This is Jeff Kopak on 740 The Fan, 107.3 FM. Amy Olson is a guest. I thought I'd play some country music for you, Amy. What would you think of that? I love it. Yeah. My favorite. Yeah. How's a pickleball game? Oh, man. I can't get enough of it. <laughs> it's definitely, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. I play probably pretty much every day when I'm back and maybe mm-hmm. once or twice a week when I'm on the road. Well, they're putting up uh, new courts right by my house, so I, I think, like you told me once, uh, the, the value of my house just went right up. 
Absolutely. It's skyrocketed. It is. (laughs) I did a story in February, and it's one of my favorite stories I've done in golf on your support crew and what Tanika Sandiford, your caddy, Ron Stockton, uh, your your swing coach, and and certainly Grant uh, have meant and how they help you through a season. I want to talk about Ron and and what his role is and how you changed your swing over the course, I think, like three, four years, I think you told me. And the benefits it's weighed. Give us a little 30-second, a minute, if you can, uh, what you did to your swing. Oh, wow. Um, well, it's still a work in process, I will tell you that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you never arrive with the golf swing, right? But I would say, you know, I'm trying to think just to boil it down into the, the basics. Well, it's an angle. I think you're having trouble with your long irons getting some height on them. Is, is... Yeah, when I, when I first got out on tour, you know, I – played a pretty low ball flight, which makes sense, obviously growing up in North Dakota in the wind and that being pretty successful, but I played a pretty low ball flight with a draw. And the difficulty that I found when I got out on tour was that we play really firm greens and they're not short courses. So I'm hitting, you know, seven, six, five irons into Mm -hmm. greens and I really had trouble holding them. And so, you know, I'm, I'm finding myself, thinking par is a great score on some of these holes while everyone else is throwing birdies out. So I knew I had to get a little bit more height on the ball, uh, be able to, I could hit a fade if I had to back Mm -hmm. in the day, but it really wasn't a comfortable shot for me. Uh, when I ended up, what I ended up doing and, and Ron was a huge part of this of just kind of rebuilding my swing from the ground up and making sure I really used the ground. Well, if you look at my footwork kind of back, in, in college and my first couple years on tour, there was a lot going on with my feet. They, the left foot would spin out. I was out on my toes quite a bit. And it obviously worked really well for me for quite a while. Um, but I found that week in and week out, I wasn't having the consistency that I needed. Mm-hmm. And so Ron and I really worked a lot on my footwork, making sure I used the ground properly and then trying to get my center of balance, I, I swung a lot with my arms, like my arms and shoulders, and then my head moved a ton hmm. through the ball. Like I would kind of dive down to it, almost if you remember old Paula Creamer type move where she her head would just go down to the ball. Mm-hmm. And so I just found that it was a lot to manage. I was having to spend hours and hours on the range every day to just, you know, keep it in play, make sure I knew exactly what I was getting. And you just can't, you can't keep that up um, on tour. You have to have something that when you show up to the golf course, you don't have to have 45 minutes to figure out what do I have today. Um, and so we did a lot of just work from the ground up, tightened things up, made sure that I was swinging more from my core and less from my arms and shoulders. Yeah. Well, you're 13th in greens and regulation uh, this year. So, I mean, that's an outstanding statistic. Yeah. And like I said, in the last segment, you know, I, I would say I pride myself on knowing exactly where to miss. Okay. Yep. And so a lot of times, you know, I'll, if, if it's a left pin, I'll start it at the middle of the green and draw it in. If I, if it's a right pin, I'll start it at the middle of the green and fade it in. And my miss tends to be a, a straight shot. And so I hit a lot of greens. I hit the middle of the greens and I just don't give myself quite enough birdie opportunities. So um, you know, one of the things that I'm working on right now is just a little bit more, um, I just want to get my hip plane and my shoulder plane to match each other so that 
uh, I just get a little bit more solid contact and a little bit more consistent ball flight. Age 29, how are you feeling mentally? You still have that burning desire. I know 29, it sounds really young to me, but you've been at this now for a while. How, how are you doing in that regard? Yeah, it's it sounding sounding old to me. I'll tell you that, Jeff. <laughs> I'll uh, trade you. You know, you see all these all these young girls coming out at seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, and and they're world beaters. You know, at that age, and they're not going to college. And anyway, so it's, it's hard to not feel old out there. But I will tell you, I still love practicing. I love getting better, um, and and I love competing. So you know, and and part of it as I've picked up pickleball and stuff, I'm realizing that's the common thread, right? Is that love of competition. And I still love that. Um, I, I still, I won't do this forever, but right now I still am, am seeing where I can improve and I want to stay on that journey. I would think the hard part, Amy, and people don't really realize this, but golf is not Thursday through Sunday deal. You get there Monday, give the listeners a sense of what you do to get ready for a tournament. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess traditionally Monday is kind of our travel day. And for the LPGA, we're a worldwide tour. I don't think people sometimes realize how much more we travel than, say, the PGA tour. You know, I've been in Thailand and Singapore and um, France, and I'll be in Scotland and then Japan and Korea and Taiwan and China. I mean, we just play all over the world. So our travel days um, can be very exhausting at times. And then Tuesday is our one chance to really see the course and practice. Mm -hmm. Wednesday is a pro-am where we play with four amateurs who are generally sponsors or or, um, clients or vendors of the sponsor. And then Sunday, you're obviously teeing it up and competing to then turn around and do it all again the next week. Um, So it is, yeah, it is a grind as far as the travel. If I could change one thing about what I do, I would love to be able to sleep in my own bed and play professional golf. Yeah. Obviously, not not a realistic option. So um, you, you kind of do what you have to do. But the travel part is probably the part that wears on me the most. I'm I play about 25 weeks a year, and since I I train in Palm Springs for five to six weeks a year, that puts me at 32 weeks a year on the road, mm-hmm. which is over half. You know, over half the time. So that is probably the one thing that that does wear. Um, after a little while and the jet lag catches up to you and you find yourself not sleeping quite as well as you did when you were 17 or 18 years old. Do you try to stay consistent, stay in the same type of hotels, travel the same airline, things like that? Yeah, you know, I I do travel the same airline most of the time. and um, Hotels can change time to time. I do a fair amount of Airbnbs. When it's non-COVID, we've had some restrictions with COVID protocols this last two years, but... Mm -hmm. I've always enjoyed having a house and a kitchen and sharing with a couple other gals on tour. Is the fax issue, the COVID issue, is that a subject the players talk about? Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely been a major, you know, impactor of our lives. Mm -hmm. The tours had to kind of deal with all sorts of different regulations, you know, based on the, the jurisdictions where we're playing. So each week, our regulations are a little bit different, particularly when we go overseas we've been subject to some pretty strict guidelines. Um, and that I think has taken a toll on a lot of players. Some players have actually chosen not to play uh, from the standpoint of, I mean, it is, it is very difficult and it's very isolating. When we played in Thailand and Singapore, mm-hmm. we basically were allowed hotel and golf course 
And once you were back at the hotel, you couldn't even leave your room. Like you couldn't go to the gym. You couldn't go for a walk outside. You were truly in your room and they would deliver room service and you couldn't share with a room with anyone. So you're by yourself most of the day. Um, so, I mean, some of the protocols have been really, really strict this year. What do you do? Just read a book, you know, surf the net, I, I read North Dakota yeah, Tough by I mean, Jeff Kolpak. I don't know. What do you do? You, you, you don't watch TV, I'll tell you that, because when you turn it on, it's not in English. Yeah. So you got to bring some, uh, either you got to have some shows downloaded, or I read quite a bit. You try to do a little workout in your room. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I mean, it's it's tough. Those afternoons and evenings get pretty long. Yeah. Before I let you go all the Solheim Cup, I think you're, what, 11th in Solheim points or something like that. Where are you sitting as far as making that squad? And obviously that would be a, a, a huge aspiration, I'm guessing. Yeah. I mean, they've changed it a little bit this year, given the um, we had a shortened year last year. And so they, instead of doing, I think it's it used to be seven people would qualify off Solheim. Or sorry, they used to have eight people qualify off Solheim cut points and two off Rolex rankings. And then they'd have two captain's picks. Well, this year they're doing seven off of points, mm-hmm. two that aren't qualified off points off Rolex rankings, and then three captain's picks. So right now I would kind of be, my closest would be I'm third overall in Rolex rankings, um, not qualified by Solheim Cup points. And then, like you said, I'm maybe 11th or so in the points. So I'm, I'm close in both, but at this point I'd have to be a captain's pick. I'm really hoping to just go over in Scotland or um, at the British and earn my way on that team. But if I don't, you know, I'd, I'd love to be a captain's pick. And um, But, you know, that's one of those things that just kind of has to play out. So the next couple of weeks are pretty motivational for you in more ways than just trying to do well in a tournament then, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that is, that is a goal for me, and I would love to be able to go represent the U.S. at the Solheim Cup and – um, be able to play for um, Pat Hurst as our captain and just have an immense amount of respect for her and what she's done. And so it would be it'd be really fun to be part of that team. It would be fun to watch. Amy, as usual, thanks again for the time. Best of luck. We always uh, pay attention every week. And uh, well, until we talk again, um, hit them straight. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks. That's Amy Olson. This is Jeff Kopak. This is the Golf Show on 740 The Fan. We'll be back right after this. An old cowboy went riding out one dark and windy day. Welcome back. This is the golf show. It's Jeff Kopak. Uh, this old cowboy got out this week, took my horse up to Mayville, and got everything I could ever ever possibly want out of a morning with three other gentlemen it was beautiful weather the smoke eh, is starting to come in a little bit i started my day this was a royal treatment here i started my day got some donuts at the Soulhold bakery went over the course and, and played an absolute beautiful course uh, mike bakken is the general manager of the mayville golf course kind enough to take a few minutes to to play along with my day mike first of all thanks for having me and thanks to dewey rindy for lining it up um Beautiful course. You guys should be proud. We are, Jeff. It was uh, it was a great morning. Uh, I uh, the smoke got in our eyes. That'd be a great name for a song. But yeah. anyhow, uh, it was a great morning. Uh, we had uh, 
I had three great gentlemen to play golf with. We had a, a wonderful time, and I, I'm just very happy that you were uh, able to come up to Mayville, go to Soho Bakery, and then come and enjoy Mayville Golf Club's Diamond in the Rough. It is a diamond in the rough. It, uh, I was impressed by how great a shape it is, and it's not like you have 20 people working on it. You are the general manager, which you're retired, uh, retired from Mayville State in, in the, as a music professor, correct? Correct. Yep. Okay. And we uh, retired in 2016. How'd you get that job? Let's. Uh, that's a good story. Uh, relay on how you <laughs> sort of got roped into this, so to speak. Speaking of cowboys. Well, uh, about uh, five years ago, when I retired, uh, I was on the board of directors at the golf course, and uh, I was enjoying my retirement. It was I was playing golf yeah. when I wanted and sleeping in when I wanted, and <laughs> things were going good. And then we had to board meeting and in uh, june or july anyhow and uh opened the letter from the clubhouse manager and he uh informed us that because of job restraints or whatever anyhow uh he was going to be re- he was going to be leaving the job the 18th of august mm-hmm. so that we read the letter and uh, the board and everybody looked around and said well who are we going to get to uh run the clubhouse we need somebody that's recently retired Hmm. And all the heads snapped <laughs> off their head, off their shoulders, and looked at me. And I said, "Okay, here's the deal. I'll do it one year, but I'm retired." Okay. Yep. Anyhow, uh, I I did that. Finished out the year. It went good. And then, uh, uh, so I was manager of the clubhouse. We had a, green, a groundskeeper and everything. And then the next year after that, then our groundskeeper resigned he took a different job and so we were without a groundskeeper so now they said gee we nice if we could find a groundskeeper or somebody that's retired to do that and their heads snapped off their shoulders again <laughs> and looked at me and you know, anyhow so for the past so about three years i have been uh, general manager basically in charge of making sure that everything gets ordered from uh, beer nuts to uh, hydraulic fluid so, so as a groundskeeper, and I never asked you this today, but uh, you, did you have to research on, I mean, it's just not as simple as throwing the sprinklers on and mowing. There's got to be more. There's obviously a lot more to it. Did you have to research that? Well, it, what I did was, the first thing I did was I went out and I found uh, three gentlemen that had re- were retired, mm-hmm. and I asked them if uh, two of them had worked previously at the golf course mowing in that but they were their jobs conflicted during the summer and that and so they couldn't do it anymore but anyhow i was i would make a long story longer i was able to find uh, uh three retired gentlemen to help with the golf course uh with the mowing and things such as this and uh, they all have their pretty much their specific duties what they do mm-hmm. uh that's clark soho tim soderberg and roger Byer, and then i uh, have a high school uh, student joey carr that uh he he helps out and, and does general maintenance on the course as well. So those that the, the big part of the the grounds thing was taken care of with getting three and four guys to work on the course. And then um, I told the board, I said, when I you know this grounds aspect of it, um, I'm not going to do it, but I'll make sure that it gets done. And uh, those guys have been just absolutely awesome in in, in getting that course ready. The main thing of that we have, uh, as far as the greens and, and the grass and uh, all that, uh-huh. um, we've I've contacted and been, uh, contracted uh, 
Dan Reddick out of Perm, Minnesota, who was a who was the greenskeeper at Mayville for quite a few years. And so Dan uh, is my go-to guy when we need to um, fertilize or uh, fungicide the greens, put on um, uh, any type of watering agent that needs to be done. Uh, in fact, he was just up here today when he was yeah. spraying greens when we were playing. Yep. So um, he's he kind of helps and makes sure that uh, all our chemicals are applied properly at a timely fashion. Uh, he takes care of plugging and top dressing the greens and verticutting. And then we have a young uh, a gentleman, uh, Davey Peterson. He's my go-to guy for mechanical aspects. If something's broken or needs to be fixed, uh, he's my go-to guy, and he comes in, and he, I order the parts, and he puts it back together, puts from a uh, Humpty Dumpty back together for me. So I just make sure that everything gets done. I don't, I'm not, uh, this is way above my pay grade to do any of that <laughs> stuff. I just make sure that it gets done. Well, the sum of all the parts obviously are working well. Mike Bakken from Mayville Golf Course joins us on the Golf Show. This is Jeff Kopak on 740 The Fan. We are at KRK Marine and Power Sports Studios. I think, Mike, this is an example of a small-town success story because you guys have taken a facility and didn't let it just go to rot or just go to just be average. You, you guys have done some things. You, you've raised money. You've renovated it. You've redid some things. I think it's just a, it's the epitome of what a smaller town can do to a nine-hole golf course and really make it an enjoyable. Take us back to how you started maybe at the clubhouse or, or really uh, fixing some things up, so to speak. Well, this, we just, we're just wrapping up our, our four, it was a four phase project. And uh, that whole thing started when I went to the uh, Mayport economic development and cause we wanted to redo our bathrooms. Our bathrooms had were in uh, bad shape. They, mm -hmm. nothing had been done to them since for, well, I don't know, 80, 1986. I don't know. It was a long time. A long we time. Desperately right. needed. Pardon me? Yeah, a long time. <laughs> it was, it yeah, was a long time. They they needed it. And uh, so I went to the board meeting and asked them, you know, for, you know, so if they could swing a $5,000 grant that we could get started on going on the bathrooms. Well, by the time the meeting was over, uh, they wanted something bigger. They had bigger ideas for us and what we should do and, and the things such as this. And as I walked out of there, I'm just shaking my head going, what just happened? Like, <laughs> what did I get and myself into now? What did I get myself into now? So I went and, and, and met with uh, one of the local contractors in town, Lowell Domeyer, and uh, we sat down and I developed a four-year plan to gradually upgrade the clubhouse itself. Well, to make a, again, make a long story longer, we, we were able to get uh, a new roof put on, mm -hmm. brand new steel roof, um, and then we just went after the, um, and then the, the economic development, they approved it, and they said, we'll get you some money mm -hmm. if you get going on this. Well, we started raising money, and a gentleman in town by the name of Larry McGillis, um, he was my go-to guy for fundraising, and we so we started raising funds for the four-phase project. Uh, minimum was a $200 donation, and we had, by the time we were done, Jeff, right now we're up to everything with a brand-new roof, brand-new uh, siding, all-new windows, all-new doors, all-new bathrooms, handicap-accessible, a brand-new, brand-new fully-stocked kitchen, uh, brand-new carpet, everything like that. 
it was all it's all paid for and uh, it was all done by uh community and member donations and it, right now you know our our figure is right around $170,000 that the community and the membership came stepped up and provided funds for and so all of our renovation is is it's all paid for we we don't owe a penny and plus and uh, that yeah that's this, this just is a, yeah this is just not golf either you're talking weddings right you're talking all right we had a, this this uh, this summer we had a wedding and a reception in there we have had class reunions in there we have had big big golf outings corporate outings out there i've got a wedding reception coming up this uh, and later this month, uh, we've had high school graduation parties out there, college graduation parties. We have gone from a facility that we were able to squeeze in maybe, maybe 70, 60, 70 people. And now with the, the new kitchen addition and everything, we're able, yesterday we, we had a golf outing and uh, we were able to serve 110 people. Hmm. On a, and everybody was... Uh, very satisfied, and they had plenty of room, and uh, it's all been renovated, uh, and uh, it just shows the community involvement, the community wanting to take ownership, and their pride in the Mayville Golf Club and the surrounding communities. It's it's Mayville, Portland, Clifford, Galesburg, Hatton, Northwood. We you know we have uh, people from Grand Forks that belong, uh, so it's. It's a real community involvement and, and and pride in what we have out here, and they're very anxious to make it work. And I should stress, it's a public golf course, so anybody at Grand Forks, Fargo, or in the Red River Valley, on I-29, Mayville, it's just a few miles to the west, get off and, yep. and play nine holes, and we played it rather quickly. A beautiful course. Beautiful course, yeah, well, Mike. I just I uh, appreciate that. Uh, it's it's just well taken care of, and 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 in a dry year, and, and we'll wrap this up before we take a break here. In a dry year, I think it's pretty tough with the Goose River. You have the irrigation there, obviously, but it's tough, I would think, to make a course look that beautiful in a dry year. So, congratulations. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's uh, I babysit the sprinklers a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's we got to make sure that we get the get the get the water to the fairways and to the greens and stuff like that. It get uh, right now. It's kind of looks like a desert course it's brown in the rough but it's green on the fairways and the tee boxes and 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 the greens and everything like that but again it's a tip off to a tip of the hat to my grounds group mm-hmm. uh they they do just a magnificent job and uh i'm glad you enjoyed it it was it was a, I, we're very proud of the facility we have here and you talked about people coming from um fargo and grand forks we have any number of players that drive up from grand forks drive up from fargo Mm-hmm. The thing about playing playing Mayville is uh, you don't really need a tea time. If you want to play, if you want to have a tea time, we'll take it. But uh, it's uh, it's easy, very easily accessible to come and play nine or eighteen and uh, have a cold one after you're done. Mike Bakken from the Mayville Golf Club is the guest. This is Jeff Kopak. This is the Golf Show on seven forty. The Fan. We'll be back right after this. We are back. Final segment of the golf show. This is Jeff Kopak. Mike Bakken from the Mayville Golf Course is the guest. Mike, uh, 
Amy Olson was on prior to you on the show. We have the two living legends from uh, from golf, right? You and Amy. You just mentioned in the same breath. <laughs> You're too nice. Yeah. But she played Mayville. Her former coach is from Mayville. I think you said something. She shot a 31 or something like that? Well, she was uh, she's a, a former student of, of Dale Helm, who's yep. a, the, kind of a legend around here in the golf world and that. And um, when she was uh, when he was coaching her, Amy would come up and uh, do lessons and stuff like that. And a dear friend of ours who has since passed, Bill Juleson, we would uh, we'd go out and sit on the driving range and watch Amy hit balls and just sit there with our, our mouths open, <laughs> drooling on the bottom of our cart, you know, watching her hit the balls uh, just beautifully. And then we would go out and play. And then uh, Willie and I would take uh, Amy on our best ball against hers and well, I think that one round, one time she shot at 31. I mean, she, you know, it was, it was really just fun to watch her play and, uh, and watch her hit balls and visit with her and pick her brain about being a professional golfer. And she is such a nice young lady. It, it, it's just amazing that, um, how well she's done. And we are so proud of her here in the Red River Valley in the state of North Dakota for, for everything that Amy has done. But, uh, we're very proud that she, uh, has played our course, and uh, uh, she's welcome back anytime she wants. I, I didn't get done with the first hole, and you mentioned when uh, Tom, Tom Weisskopf, the legendary golfer, married a gal from Mayville, one of the McMullen girls, and uh, mm-hmm. Tom's been around, right? It's been a while, but I think he played the course. He did. They, when Tom got married, he married uh, Laurie McMullen, uh, uh, Harvey McMullen's daughter here in town, and uh, after the wedding, uh, they they came to uh, Mayville. Uh, they were going to come have a reception for them. And well, anyhow, um, her da- her dad called me up on the phone and said, "Mike, uh, Tom and Lori are coming back for a reception. Uh, I was just wondering if you'd like to play nine holes with Tom Weisskopf." Well, after I picked myself up off the floor, <laughs> I said, well, "Yeah, okay, let's do the yeah." So anyhow, uh, him, me, and uh, Tom and some other guys, uh, he played nine holes with some other guys, and then I got to play nine holes with him. And uh, it was, uh, well, it was an experience I'll never forget. We, you know, we would, he hadn't played, he hadn't played golf for a few months, and he brought his sticks along, and I think he shot like a 32 or a 33. He was like three or four under. And uh, he picked his, we picked his brain about the course, things that we could improve on. Yeah. Uh, things he liked. And he, there were there were things about the course that he did like. There were things that he thought we could change that we have implemented. And uh, but it was just to have Tom Weisskopf in our was unbelievable. Is unbelievable. There, is there one thing that he suggested that you did implement that you remember? Well, one of the things he said was a couple of the sand traps should either be replaced or moved. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've done that. We've taken them out and. Uh, taking the sand out and, and, and put them to seed and they're, they're growing grass. Uh, there was a few trees he said that uh, don't, aren't fair. And so we have, we have since removed them, uh, things such as this, but, uh, all in all, he, he thought our, our course was very fair. He liked it. He thought it was a great municipal course. And, uh, uh, one of the things that, uh, we had a fundraiser every year for our, our ripoff raffle. Anyhow, Mm-hmm. I got a hold of Lori and I said, would Tom ever sign a, um, one of our flags or greens flags? Well, he said, sure. So anyhow, we had a raffle for it. And, uh, the, in fact, Doc Thorson, 
mm-hmm. um, was with me when we first originated these ripoff raffles. He uh, he won the the flag, and so I mailed it, the flag to Tom, and uh, he signed it. You know, to Glenn Thorson or some best wishes, Tom Weisskopf. He signed it and sent it back, and Glenn has got it in his basement. So that's the kind of guy Tom Watson, Tom Weisskopf is. He's just a pure gentleman, and uh, uh, it was really fun. Really I, fun. I want to tell listeners what kind of community Mayville is. What is a week or two ago? A, a storm ripped through the, the community. It happens in the summer, and several trees got uprooted. Several big trees got uprooted on the course. And I'll let you take it from there, Mike, but you talk about uh, rounding up the cavalry. They came out and in, in, in force and, and cleaned things up in a hurry. We had that storm that came through here um, on, a, on a Sunday. I think it was a Sunday night. Anyhow, uh, when we went out to the course, one of the big, big trees – uh, on one of the left-hand side of one of our ferries that really protects that green from the left-hand side was completely uprooted, uh, completely up, pulled right out of the ground. It was a huge tree. And then on number five green, the top half of one of the big evergreens on the side of the, of the, uh, of the green snapped off and laid com- just about completely across the green. Well, anyhow, uh, the grounds crew... We send out an email, a uh, text. We need help out here. We'll bring your chainsaws, bring your whatever, whatever. We ended up having a, about a dozen people that came out that night, mm-hmm. Monday night, and were cutting up trees, uh, moving trees. The chainsaws were humming. It was it was an incredible sight. And um, to make a long story short, by Wednesday, the next day, Tuesday, at noon, because I had to, I closed the course Tuesday morning. Yeah, because we we weren't done, and um, by twelve o'clock noon Tuesday, you couldn't tell that the storm had been through there. That's the kind of work. That's the kind of pride that our our members and our community have. They showed up. They brought their gloves and shovels and and, and chainsaws and chainsaws, <laughs> I mean, and they cut it up and hauled it away. And you couldn't tell. The only thing left was a a hole in the ground where we've since filled that with dirt. I couldn't even but tell. Couldn't, yeah, I couldn't even yeah, tell. If it, you you had to tell me where that tree was and what happened, or I wouldn't have noticed. Yeah, well, I showed you a picture of it. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. it. Was, yeah. yeah, it pulled it right out of the ground. And this was a big tree, yep. you know. So so that's the, like a, that's the, that's a sense of pride that our community and our members have in the Mayville Golf Club. Yep. Uh, we're very proud of our facility. We're happy when people come to play. We're happy when guests come and visitors come and we you know it's 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 just a very nice place to be well mike thanks for a wonderful small town golf experience it was awesome with the exception of three putt on nine which cost me an adult beverage other than that it was, <laughs> it was before we go jeff yeah. i would just like to give a shout out to my uh my clubhouse staff absolutely um uh i'm in the process of uh trying to turn the reins over for the the clubhouse pro shop aspect Mm-hmm. We have a gentleman by the name of Pete Hollingstead that's uh, uh, I'm turning the reins over to him, and he's doing a magnificent job. We have a, a great crew that are working in the pro shop and the clubhouse, and they are there to provide any service that uh, uh, the public needs if the, you know, as far as the golfing for rental carts, uh, golf balls, whatever they need. Uh, I've got a great staff in there as well. So between the, the, the grounds crew, the clubhouse staff, We'd like to thank thank you for coming today, Jeff. It was a hoot. It was a lot of fun. 
and we invite everybody from the surrounding area to come to Mayville, North Dakota. Come and enjoy the Mayville Golf Club. Come and enjoy our diamond in the rough. You should run for mayor, man. That was really good. Thank, <laughs> thank you, Mike. <laughs> you bet, Jeff. Nice. Anytime. You're right. welcome. Come on back. Thank you. That's Mike Bachner, Mayville Golf Course. That'll do it for this edition of the Golf Show. Again, thanks to Amy Olson for taking the time. Best of luck the rest of the year. We'll be watching. Hopefully she makes a Solheim Cup. And thanks to the folks on Mayville. Until next week, hit them straight.